everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Human Element. Today, we are starting a conversation on race, discrimination, injustice, and how those things relate to advertising and marketing. We intend on making this a mini-series, so similar to what we did with our mini-series around the virus, we're looking to do this as well for the next several weeks. I'm incredibly honored to have two guests join me from across the Dentsu network. They are both participants and leaders in our multicultural community group called the Multicultural BRG. It's an initiative that we have within Dentsu to promote multicultural concepts, and I'm thrilled to have them here. Let me introduce them. First is John Santiago, who is CEO of M8. John, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And second is Chantelle Martin. She's a senior associate for analytics within Merkel. Chantelle, thanks so much. Happy to be here. And Chantelle, I'm going to give you a little plug here. You are the coming host of a new podcast that we'll be launching in the Density Network called The Diversity Show, something we're aiming to get out in the July timeframe. Is that right? That's right. We're really excited. We've been working on it for a while, putting together some good episodes. We're hoping to continue this conversation to really bring a lot of the the ideas around race and diversity and inclusion just on an ongoing basis. We don't want anything to end here. Fantastic. So let's begin, you know, as we were thinking about having this discussion, we tried to sort of focus in on a, on a couple questions that really represented the beginning of a conversation. And I guess my first question is, what are the types of conversations that we need to be having right now in this moment across a couple different audiences, you know, within our own sort of friends and family communities, within our colleague communities across the broader agency network and within our brands, and then with our clients, what does the beginning of those conversations look like? There are so many different types of conversations we could be having. And the really hard part, the tough part, is that we've got to start the conversation. Someone has to kick it off, whether it's with friends, with colleagues, and even, you know, in the broader business industry sense, right? We want to think about how does any conversation at all just get started. And so I actually had a friend text me yesterday, and I sat with this message for a while. Because I know that a lot of people are now thinking it. Now that we've seen it, we can't unsee it. And this is something that we're thinking. Who speaks first? And I had a friend reach out to me and say, hey, Chantel, I have been thinking about you and Alex and Kira. This is my husband and daughter. I've been thinking about you guys during this time. I know that this is really hard. I know that you may not want to talk and that's okay, right? However, I would love to have conversations with you about this if this is something you want to talk about. And if not, that's okay. And I think that just opening up the space to have a conversation, but letting me know that if I am grieving, if I am sad, if I am suffering, if I am in a place that I just don't want to talk to you right now, I have that out immediately. I can say, you know what? You're right. I don't want to talk. (laughs) Or I can say, this is the perfect time to talk. And here's what I want to talk about. Right? Because if you don't start then no conversation happens. 
And so the conversations we need to have are the ones that come natural to us. And each individual will have a different thing that they want to talk about. They'll have a different thing impacting them because based on your personality, something could be bothering you that doesn't bother someone else. And even based on the makeup of your family, something could be bothering you that does not bother someone else. And so allowing the conversation to flow naturally is what we really need in this time. Thank you. I want to build on a bit what what Chantel was saying. I think honesty is something we've got to come to grips with right now. I think you outlined sort of three different scenarios. How do we speak to friends? How do we speak to colleagues? And how do we as a, as a company speak to our clients uh, within the agency? I think the first thing we need to do is be empathetic and acknowledge that there is an issue unequivocally. You know, it's, it's interesting because right now, today, we have two invisible viruses in COVID-19 and systematic racism, which really someone can walk around with without visible symptoms. You can wear a mask, both real or sort of metaphoric, but you will spread the virus to your family, your friends, your children, your community, and be part of the overall culture of distribution of these viruses until they are successfully treated and we put effort towards treating it. And as colleagues, I think if you're black, we want to hear from you. We need your voice. We want your voice. We want your ideas, your stories. And most of all, we welcome and really need your help. If you're white, you should pause and, and listen and really listen a lot. Empathize. Try your best to begin the journey of understanding with a really clean slate and leave behind any of your preconceptions and most of all, any of your own feelings or experiences or barriers of, and obstacles maybe that you've overcome. I'm Latino and I've got obstacles obviously that I've overcome, but they're not relevant in this moment. They, they won't apply. Let this really be a singular moment and movement for black people. That's why it's important to say, believe and offer support because black lives matter. And I think as an agency to our clients, it's really no, no secret that collectively we could be doing more to attract more creative and industrious people of color to our industry. I think we need to continue to look deeper into communities of color and develop and support programs that show young people of color that our industry has a place for them and their talents. An advertising executive or creative director is really not at the top 10 list of job opportunities that many people think about in high school in so many diverse communities. And we can do a better job branding our industry to a more diverse talent pool and certainly having people of color in our leadership positions and in the executive ranks allows people of color to see that if they, if that if they choose to see our industry, that there's a path towards that kind of success and not having them representative in those positions sends a clear message that they should look elsewhere for opportunity. So I think those are the areas that we need to, to really focus on. And those are action items that we can take today. John, you bring up a lot of great things there. Let me focus in on one. I've been in this industry a really long time. Sadly, it, it reveals my age, 30 some odd years. The industry as a whole has had, you know, fits and starts and restarts around elements of this issue for decades. and yet. The reality is the industry as a whole has largely failed to make anything resembling significant progress. How do we begin to make sure that this time is different? Like, how do we even have any credibility around that? Well, look, there's an empathetic route that we should be taking as human beings to be welcoming to more diversity in our everyday lives. But there's also a business imperative. 
our clients within the advertising industry and certainly within Dentsu are expecting us to build teams that bring remarkable ideas to support the companies that entrust us with their advertising investments that are supposed to look and feel like the consumers that we're, we're trying to appeal to, that we're trying to speak to, that we're trying to engage with. And so if there's any strategic imperative that we have as a company and, and as an industry, it's that we need to be more reflective of the people that our clients expect us to serve. And if we can tie business results around our representation results, I think that we will start making greater gains. And I think that the transparency of those business results and our results as an industry and it being more systematic, it more sustained. As much as we report our financial earnings every quarter, I think that there's an opportunity for us to also report our gains in diversity and what we're doing as companies to be, again, more reflective of the society and cultures that we're supposed to represent on behalf of our brands and clients. You make a fantastic point there that there's a moral imperative, which is so stark, it seems to me. And then there's also, frankly, a, a, a business imperative that's, that's every bit as important. Chantal, your perspective on that, I mean, obviously, again, the list of successes across several decades in the industry is, is short. What's your perspective on, on how we change that finally? One of the ways we do that is we kind of drop a little bit of the formality. One of the most beautiful things that anyone can do in this time is actually say Black Lives Matter. What I don't want to see is companies who want to say, this is a difficult time. We're here with you. But not actually calling out the truth of what it is. Humanize the issue. There are faces. There are people behind this. There are people who have died behind this. Give them a life by sharing it, sharing what really happened. I mean, I understand it's a difficult conversation to have, but if you flower it up with pretty language, that only makes things worse. That only highlights the real problem that we truly have. Give people a voice, make them human. And another thing that I really want people to understand is that the problem has been around, right? We all know this is not new. However, even though we all want to help in this moment, we all want to speak up. We all want to do something that can help to move forward, move towards, you know, actual equality. We all want to do something. However, it's going to start by kind of one layer at a time. So as we've been going through all of this, I've honestly been asking myself, how is it that I feel comfortable speaking up? How do I feel comfortable talking to my boss and my colleagues about this? And I can honestly say it is because I have a boss that I know will listen to me. I know for a fact will listen to me. Tuesday morning, he came in, we had a team call and he said, if anybody needs time, I need you to take that. How many people are in their offices right now working and struggling through pain and their boss has said nothing yet? This is where it starts. It starts with your immediate boss. And that immediate boss needs to be putting your needs before the profits right now and letting you take that time. It starts 
tiny, one individual at a time. When you let me know, I can take time to do a podcast and I can take time to sit on a meeting. My boss canceled my meeting so that I could be a part of more diversity initiatives. What are other people doing in this moment that says, hey, you're okay to go for what matters in this moment? It's not what can the entire industry do. It's what each and every individual experiences. You mentioned the story about your friends texting you, one of many, I'm sure. And I I found that a moving vignette, but I didn't follow up and ask you the same question that your friend asked you. Today, how are you? I honestly feel disgusted. Not by any particular thing that's going on happening to me, but by the state that we live in. Like the fact that in 2020, people are still dying. And I feel this shaking within me, this like, I must do something as in like, whatever it is that I can do to help in this moment as the tiny one individual that I am, tell me what I can do so that I can help add my hands, add my body. How can I be there for the next generation? I feel not a burden, right? I feel not a burden, but more of a responsibility in this moment, that there's something we have to do. I think it's a very clear and emotionally significant difference between those two things. John, I'm going to ask you the same question. How are you in this moment? I'm privileged. (laughs) I know it every day. I've been doing a lot of listening to my staff, to my friends. I'm trying to learn as much as I can and take it all in. And I equally feel a bit of responsibility, not only in the position that I'm in, to do something but also to organize and help others to organize how they can make a difference as well. I do think, and I come from a a unique place having been a a business owner, my agency was acquired by Dentsu a year and a half ago. Uh, We came in in 2018. And uh, one of the things that I, I worked on immediately outside of what we do at our agency was to work with leadership at the time, our America CEO, to get everybody the day off on election day. And I think that we've heard from leadership, and when I say leadership, President Obama over the last week or so about the importance of getting out to vote and getting out and empowering people with all these great ideas they have and all the tools and things that we're all working towards, that to get things implemented, it takes people to get to the polls and uh, not just vote in your national elections, get to your local elections and vote for judges and city mayors and all the way up and down the list that will be the people that we hold responsible to enact all the many changes and systematic changes that we need to implement to eradicate racism at every level that it's been embedded in our society. And that takes the ability for people who work within side networks and or the holding companies like in advertising that we work within to give our employees the day off so they can organize their families, their children, mobilize their communities and get out there and vote. But people of color both black and brown, disproportionately work in industries that represent a large majority of the people who are working on an hourly basis that are are not in the industries that we are in, that are the industries of many of our clients. And we don't need to wait for, for Congress to pass a law that says that we have the day off from work on election day. You know who can do that? The companies can do it. The companies can give their employees the day off. And we can have all the the discussions around change and and ideas to drive this agenda forward. But while still not allowing for people to get out 
and vote on those ideas and pressuring them to choose between getting a day, day of pay or losing their job or getting out to the voting booths. That should not be a choice that we still ask them to make. And so I urge anybody here um, who's listening, continue to speak to your leadership and your companies, those of us in leadership positions, urge people to get out there and share ideas about what can be done, but also empower people to be able to get out there and do them. And that requires us to be able to, to get out there on election day and vote. Chantel, when you were sort of mentioning the grace with which your manager has handled some of these conversations with you, one of the things that struck me in that was how do we empower, how do we enable more managers to be conscious of that approach and to deploy it for themselves? Do you have guidance for, you know, really anyone in management across the balance of the organization? on how to to tackle that part. In this particular case, here's the question that I've been asking myself. Why do I feel comfortable saying to my boss, hey, I know you have a meeting scheduled, but I wanna do something different. Why do I even feel like I can do that? There are many people who want to do something. However, they have to say, uh, you know what, cancel it, I have a meeting to go to. I know that I can ask my boss for that time because he has built that trust with me. Over time, he's let me know. I can say things. I can tell my boss he is wrong. I can take time when it's needed. And every time I ask for something, it happens. There are a lot of bosses who cannot say that they've done the same for their employees. So it's not going to be a one-day thing where you say, hey, take this time if you need it. Right. Because if you have not built that trust with your employees, they will not believe you. It will feel like a check the box or it will feel like you're, you're saying that now. But as soon as I take off, I have no idea what's going to happen. Right. So it starts tiny. It starts tiny with someone asking for something and then getting it or a real conversation starting, asking people how their day is going and then asking them about what they said, which shows them that you're really listening. That's where it starts in building the trust. And I think that a lot of managers want there to be some easy fix. There is not. You must do the work of building trust with your employees so that they know if I said something in a meeting, you will echo me. If I said I really needed a day off for mental health, you said no problem. If I said, I want to work on something that's important to me, you said, you have my full support. And until managers start doing that on the daily, on the weekly, on the monthly, they will not get to the point where the employee truly trusts them to be authentic, to be honest, and to show up as their whole self. There are entirely too many people that are worried about what their hair looks like or how they need to dress in the office or how they need to change the way that they speak to be accepted. They need to know that they are accepted as they are every day before we start worrying about the big things and knowing that you can take emotional time, right? It has to be the everyday you is who we want here. That's so well said. John, you know, as a, as a leader and former sort of entrepreneur or business owner yourself, how have you sort of taken an approach that embeds this sense of 
for lack of a better word, diversity awareness and, and consciousness into the fabric of your leadership in your company, not just, you know, since you've gotten acquired by density, but when you were sort of at a more nascent phase. The first thing is something that Chantel said is also just creating a safe space. We have to create a safe space for, for you to, as a leader and as a manager, to really hear what your, your staff is feeling and, and has to say and hear their ideas and provide a safe space for them to share honestly and be themselves. And only then will you get a steady stream of the remarkable ideas that our clients pay us for every day. Without that safe space and without them being able to really authentically and truly share, we're getting less than we've bargained for. So we, we have to continue to nurture that. And I tr- I've always tried to do that. My agency focuses on multicultural marketing. I think that uh, we have a, the added benefit of being... Ha- if having just by the nature of the work that we do a truly multicultural staff. And so you have to empathize with the different cultures and, and, and also again, really be reflective of the people that we try to serve. Our team is the majority women. And I say that not because we try to do that just because I think that's kind of how things evolve and happen. When you're just trying to build a, an authentic organization, you look for the, the best talent to support the ideas that you're trying to, trying to develop. But I think it's about creating the safe space for people to be themselves. And I, uh, I echo Chantel in, in, in the environment that she's in. We try to create the same. We've had a number of, of sessions throughout the company, obviously, in, in the past couple of days, as have probably every significant company, not just in our industry, but in the corporate world. And again, I think that's around this same idea of beginning, you know, this idea of beginning hopefully a a different kind of conversation, a different kind of awareness, and a different kind of set of actions. One of the things that I heard in our session was an analogy that I don't think was original to the person who used it, but was remarkably impactful to me. And it was this idea of two different groups feeling differently, and the analogy was one of rain one group feeling, no, it's just raining. It's annoying. It's raining. And the other group feeling like, no, I'm, I'm drowning. Chantel, I'm, I'm wondering if I might ask you to sort of explore that analogy a little bit and, and sort of share how that was shared the other day, if you wouldn't mind. Can I ask you something? What, what did you talk with your children about at the dinner table yesterday? My kids are 16 and 19. In their own way, I think they have a, this barely spoken but deeply communicated sense that they have to be a part of the solution. They're sad, they're confused. I think they have a set of understandings around what they believe this country should be that feels uh, completely violated, not just by the past 10 days, but by the past, the past three and a half years. It sounds like you got to kind of explore their awareness. Mm. I have a 12-year-old yeah. daughter. Her name is Kira. Do you want to know what we talked about at the dinner table yesterday? Yeah. My daughter is a heavy gamer. She is a gamer. She has a gaming YouTube channel, The Works, and she chats with her friends from school. She chats with them all online. And the name of this group, the kids, 12-year-olds, have decided that it is police officer emoji and three thumbs down emojis. This group of 12-year-olds, they're not sure what's going on. They're learning a little bit here and there, but they know at the age of 12, Police officer emoji, three thumb down emoji. So yeah. I, we're exploring, okay, what do you talk about inside this emoji group? And she says that just today, 
one of her friends from school told her that she is afraid of her parents going to join a protest because she is fearful that her parents will be shot and killed. We got to explore why do you think your friend feels that way, right? Why do you think your friend feels that way? And she says, because we're supposed to trust police, but it seems like we have no idea if we call the police if they'll kill us or not. Why do police, the people who are supposed to protect us, why do they kill us? Those are the conversations we have. It's not exploratory. It's not, it is, please don't be afraid, my child. And I I asked her, what did you say back to your friend? And she said, I don't know. I don't have words to say. As a parent, what do you do with that? As a parent, I try to explain to her why all these things are happening. As a parent, I want her to know the past and what it all means for today. I don't want her to walk around being afraid all the time. I don't want her to be fearful. And so as a parent, I am honestly trying to walk that balance and like, how do I teach you to be powerful and to be strong and to speak your mind and, you know, to be excited about the next steps of your journey and your life and know that you are a valuable human in this world when you see people who look like you dying, when you and your friends are afraid. I am still exploring that myself, but I try to speak to her as much as I can, make sure that she's at least informed and aware, and also kind of knowing what we do as adults to get through it. What kind of communities we create or, you know, how we talk about it and what we plan to do about it as a family. But it's something I'm not good at. (laughs) It's something I'm still working on because I don't know what to say sometimes. I'm just hoping that the things I say today will result in something positive and freeing for her in the future. Because the things I say today, I don't know if they'll go in one ear and out the other. I don't know if they'll last forever. So I have to just do the best I can in this moment. Thank you for sharing that. John, from your perspective, as we sort of attempt to look forward, what are the things you're most fearful of at the moment? And then are there one or two things that you might be hopeful of? I hope that we have people like Chantel continuing to speak to their children at the dinner table like she has. I'm very hopeful that we continue to take on the challenge and the responsibility of eradicating racism in every form, uh, wherever it lives and breathes in our society. And we can't give up the hope to do that. And we have to continue to provide space and platforms for people of color to thrive. You know, in any of my capacity that I can be part of that, it's it's my responsibility to do it. But it's also a, a thing I think us as a responsible and loving human beings, I think that there's an element of loving thy neighbor and, and caring for our fellow human being that we have to make sure that we hold dear to ourselves. And if you've got any sort of compassion, you'll, you'll make the space for them to continue to thrive and have equal opportunity for, for everybody. And, and it's what we, we aspire towards and we have to be hopeful and work towards it, put effort towards it. So I'm incredibly hopeful. I believe that the team that I lead here at our agency, and I think the greater company itself, seems to continue to make efforts and and great strides towards being a more inclusive and diverse company. I think that hopefully can extend out to the 
the families and the groups outside of our company that, that demonstrate that this is these are the kinds of efforts that we're making. And as a person mobilizing the people that I can affect to help make change, being open to listen and being empathetic and learning every day. You know, Chantel, you know, she shared a story just now, which was quite moving. And I think it's another one of the stories that have been compounding my point of view these last couple of weeks, each one more tragic than the next. You know, I heard a story 24 hours ago about a, a young woman telling me that, similar to your question, Chantel, about what did you talk to your, your you know, children about last night? And, and she was saying, you know, I talked to my son when he was as early as five, seven years old about getting a receipt and a bag when he bought candy from a candy store. Because if not, you know, on the way out, they can, you know, accuse you of stealing. And there's thousands of those kinds of stories that I don't have to speak to my son who is also 17, and my, my young daughter about. I, I don't have that. Like you said, Chantel, I, I will have the luxury, and I did have the luxury this last week or so, to continue to reflect with my, my son, as I do so often about us being Latinos in the United States. There's some complexity around that, but not at all in the same way as our black and brown friends and colleagues. So it's just about you know, making sure that I'm listening and learning and sharing as much as I can and providing a safe opportunity for the people who I work with in any capacity to feel like they have an opportunity to thrive and equal opportunity for everybody. That, that's as much as I, I can do today. And I'm sure there'll be more that I learn every other day moving forward to add to the growing list of things I know I can do more. Last question, and I, I appreciate both of you joining so much. If you had sort of one or two things to say to the balance of your own brands or the network itself, or even an extended group of folks across the industry, what would that be? Chantal, I'll start with you. I think the only thing I would want to say is treat people like humans. Don't worry about what the conversation could be or how it might be taken. Just open the space to start it. And when the conversation does start, do your best to listen. And if someone does not want to talk, accept that as well. Because a lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are in pain. They are not in any way, shape, or form ready to talk. And that is the reality for a lot of people. Some people may want to talk, but they need an invitation. And so Someone's got to start that communication and just, I don't want you to start a conversation because you know what, it's really hot right now. And I probably should say something about this. <laughs> That's not the point of all of this. The point is to have a genuine interest and really want to explore these issues together. And I think through truly opening your heart to knowing and understanding someone on a deeper level, regardless of what role they're in or what they do or where this could even lead, right? You might say something really silly. You might say something that offends. And that's a part of the hard conversation. <laughs> that's a part yeah. of the difficult part. So just understand, it's going to be bumpy for a while. You might say something wrong. <laughs> you might say something ignorant. You might say something that is just should be off the table and never said, and that's okay. The reality is, if you don't say it that first time, you can't learn what you should say instead. 
John, I'll leave the, the last word then with you. Uh, you know, anything sort of a parting message to that sort of concentric circles of community, both within the network and then external. I would say Black Lives Matter. <laughs> well said. <laughs> and to our corporations, if we're in the people business, it's what we sell. We sell the big ideas created by all of the amazing people who work in our organizations. But if our people are our greatest asset, then the diversity of our people or a more diverse group of people will increase the value of our asset. So let's invest in our asset, our people. I can't thank you both enough for for coming on. I really appreciate it. Would you guys mind if we had you back at some point? Would that be something you'd be open to doing? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I'd be interested. Chantel, I'm sure you'll be on CNN by then. But uh, <laughs> I think she will. I think she will. If you remember the little people along the way, that'll be great. Just answer my call. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of The Human Element. Again, our intention is to make a mini-series of this and have the beginning of a conversation around these issues. We will be back out to you very, very soon. Be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.